G'day, welcome back, episode 11, Topographical. This week I'm sitting down with an old friend of mine, Michael French. Frenchy is a mad keen sparrow. Um, you may have seen him on Instagram as Eat, Sleep, Dive, Repeat. He doesn't post a hell of a lot, but when he does, it's always monster fish. Um, we touch on shooting big kingies, big snappers, getting chased by sharks, a friend of his getting mauled by a shark, and uh, a little bit of freediving over in the Caribbean where he managed to dive to 60 metres deep, which is mad. A uh, little bit of seeker hunting there at the end, and just a general good yarn. It was a bloody fun episode. And um, yeah, while we're at it, a bit of a shout out to Tech's Eyewear, a uh, local sunglasses company. Recently picked myself up a couple of pairs of new glasses as the old ones were uh, scratched to shit. And uh, I'm now running a pair of their Tasmans and another pair of their Mueller's, which I'm loving both. They're slightly different styles, but they're bloody good glasses. So yeah, check them out on Instagram, Tech's Eyewear, and uh, on their website. Um, they're all about the outdoors as we are here. So um, if you're into listening to my yarns, you're probably going to be into... Um, checking out the the Tickers Instagram and seeing because they just all about the outdoors, which is awesome. So yeah, enjoy and uh, remember if you do and like it, give us a give us a five star review and give us a subscribe or a follow or whatever it is on the platform you listen because that shit is key. Enjoy your day. Very <laughs> good. Oh, Frenchie. Welcome to Topographical. How are you? I'm good, thanks, man. I'm good. I'm good. It's been a while, eh? It has been quite some time, actually. Um, I was I was thinking about that today. Um, but you know, life goes on. Fish keeps swimming and oh, keeps dying, and you get to yarn about it at some stage. Yeah, nah, bloody good. Yeah, and no, hopefully a few of them keep dying. Yeah, yeah, like that's that. what it's all about, eh? Um, usually, I start this off by asking people what their go-to boot is. But seeing as though you're more of a waterman than a landman, um, what's your go-to wetsuit? Um, at the moment, I'm running a bit of a 50-50. I've got a... A Bosha bottom half and a um, a seven mil witty top half. So yeah, a bit of a mix and match there. But I, I mean, they're both both good bits of kit. Um, Bosha's got a really nice scupper system, so I really rate that. Um, and I just happen to have the the witty seven mil, uh, which is a little bit nicer at this time of year, just a little bit cooler. Yeah, that, that time of year, it's it's always nice to have a bit of extra extra thickness for you, eh? Does that um, scupper on the Bosha, is that, do they come standard now? Yeah, they do. They've got this like neoprene flap system. Um, so a little like, I don't know, looks a little bit less like you've got a dildo strapped to the front of you or you're, when you're out on the boat and that sort of thing. Eh? But it works really nicely. And then you, you don't end up basically smelling like a goat at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, um, real big bonus. I need to see a picture of this because I'm just thinking like I, you know, back in the day, back in the good old days, um, when I was spearfishing a lot, I had 
a what did I, I had an Effie sub um with bottoms and got there's like a place on the North Shore in Auckland there somewhere that like did neoprene like repairs and whatnot and you could you'd you'd take your wetsuit bottoms to them and for like thirty five bucks or something that um essentially stitch a strap on to the front of you and it was just that that classic little it just looks like you got a dick and you just you put your dick in it and, and you piss out of it. But how how does this yeah. system work if you don't look like you got a strap on? <laughs> yeah, well if you can imagine they've um they've kind of just oh if you Googled it you'd see it I suppose, um, with the Bosha scuffer system, but they've basically got two overlapping flaps of neoprene in there is a pretty much how I'd describe it. Um, and you oh. kind of just sort of wiggle your way through it. And, um, yeah. Ah, so do you, do you spend the whole time with yourself wiggled out of it or, or do you wiggle yeah, no, I, when the time you comes? You sort of tend to, eh? You sort of, you're there, but, you know, you can um, adjust the front flap depending on how much clearance you need for what you're trying to do. <laughs> I have actually, like, accidentally sort of forgotten to tuck back in at times and like one time I actually grazed it like on this rock when I was snooping. <laughs> I don't recommend eh? Oh, the problems of uh big dick diving I suppose, eh? Just Oh dragging. no, no, I can assure you it happens with any size. Um <laughs> <laughs> Oh God. Oh that's good. Well uh, I suppose with that that's I mean, you're you're right into your spearfishing, um, well, fishing in general, isn't it? A bit of underwater, on the water, and um, do a bit of bit of hunting too. But um, let's dive into the spearfishing because I've not had a good spearfishing yarn for a long time. So how'd you get into freediving and um, spearing shit and whatnot? Um, I suppose. Oh, how did I get started with spearing? I think it was probably the last year of high school that I first gave it a crack or the summer after that. Um, my mate Ben was sort of right into it and we both used to go down to Cook's Beach in the Coromandel. So, yeah, like linked up with him and, and went out for for a few dives and just, you know, started doing shories, um, just battling away at the start, really, um, you know, going out and, getting a couple of butterfish to start with and I started real slow, just chipped away at it. Um, and then went off to uni, sort of, yeah, I'd do it here and there. Um, started going, like I went to Lincoln for a year and then ended up moving up to Massey and, and Palmy. So when I was at Massey, we'd go down to the south coast a bit with a few of the boys from uni and get into like the powers, the craze, that's the south coast of um, like around Wellington. Yeah, yeah, the powers, bit, um, grays, butters, yeah, a bit more going on. Well, maybe not a bit more going on, but uh, more forgiving water conditions there than there is down in Can in, in that Canterbury. Like, you struggle to get decent visibility um, on a on a day yeah. down in Canterbury. What's it like on the south coast? There is it any better? Well, it's I suppose it's a fantastic fishery there, uh, but. Well, it certainly was when I was there. I, I understand it's, it's getting a bit more pressure now. But you it's pretty well protected being on the Cook Strait. So you get a lot of weather come through there that um, just means you can't get out and dive it. 
and you've got um, you know big current flow through there, bringing up your nutrients and keeping the, the ecosystem going. So yeah, when it was on, it was amazing. Like um, great numbers of craze and powers, uh, fish, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, and you know spots that you could access or either just the normal car or four wheel drive, um, you get a little bit further. But nice. yeah, really enjoyed that. It was cool. Nice. And then, yeah, so I suppose from there, um, finished up at uni and, and moved back to Auckland and started sort of going to the Coromandel or, or heading up north and doing a bit of fishing and diving. And um, yeah, I, I used to do quite a lot of fishing uh, with mates and that, but just started gravitating more and more towards the spearfishing. Um, so I'd start to take trips up, up to Northland and um, target snapper a bit more. Um, yeah, and then I suppose in, oh, I think it was like 2016 or 2017, um, myself and, and Victoria, um, now wife, um, we went over to Central America and did a bit of free diving over there. Oh, so wicked. One of those, like, yeah, it was cool. Like in the Caribbean, so you've got you know, beautiful, clear, warm water. Um, yeah, kept around there for a while. And then oh, sort of, you know, I did that for a bit and then was missing New Zealand a bit and saw this job come up in Northland. So I thought, oh, I might as well give that a crack. Oh, hold on, hold on. Let's back. I want to know more about this Caribbean. Oh, yeah. Like, what? Like that's like the epicenter of um of kind of free diving, isn't it? Like that's where, like the Bahamas with the Dean's Blue Hole. That's where they go and set the free diving world records and um whatnot like yeah man so we were, is we were it a down big a bit thing um i wouldn't say it's a big thing it's still a niche little community but that's a big area for it to for for free diving and that just because of the conditions like you get nice clear mm. water and it's warm you know it's i can't remember exactly what it was but probably like mid to high 20s um it's so a very comfortable water to be in um you know a very different scenario when you're back in new zealand and yeah. you know at the moment, it's like we're in Northland, which is meant to be warm, but it's like 14 degrees on the weekend, and it's, I don't know, for me, that's cold. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. On a so, good day oh, yeah, in like, summer, you <laughs> might get a 24-degree, like, water temp on a yeah, real good day. Yeah, yeah. you're lucky. You're yeah. Lucky. Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah, no. Nah, so, yeah, you've got nice conditions over there for it, which is pretty cool. Um, so where did we end up? We... We sort of did a bit of a backpacking trip and then and then landed ourselves in Honduras on an island off there called Utila um, and did what was called, I think, like a, a freediving master's course, which uh, it's kind of like, you know, you go and do scuba and you, you do all the, the courses and that. It's similar. It's a bit less formal with freediving. It's basically you're just yeah. practicing and, and diving deeper and just doing that every day. So, like, but you've got like, like professional instruction kind of. Yeah, guided. yeah, you, you sort of, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, you've got just competent people around you, eh? Mm -hmm. um, and you know, other other people who who are frothing it. So, so that was pretty cool. We um, we we stayed in Utila, I pretty sure like three months, um, just diving every day. And then they were actually on a neighbouring island. They were having the the world champs coming up, and they needed people to go over there and do um, safety diving. So we got to go along and kind of like attend the the freediving world champs as safety divers 
Wicked. No, it was cool, man. Yeah, it was real yeah. cool. We, That's yeah, awesome. sort of just like in the water and go down and as these guys are coming up from like, you know, a hundred plus meters, um, the, the better divers, you're just there at the end in case they black out just to, yeah. so you can assist <clears throat> them back to the surface. I don't know if you've sort of seen any of how that works, but yeah. yeah. Um, I've, I've seen a lot of it, but probably a lot of people listening have no idea. Do you want to like kind of run through what a free diving competition kind of like looks like like and and i suppose keeping it i mean there's a few different disciplines yeah. but if you keep it simple just to the basic fins yeah. or no fins set up <laughs> yeah man so like the way it's set out is you've got this platform sitting out there in the water with a, a big rope hanging off it down to a um down to a weight um which will be set oh, i can't remember how the, oh they actually no they they move the weight for each dive so the the person diving is going to the bottom of the line and and down at the bottom of it's a plate with a little tag that they're trying to collect um so the the line gets set at the depth that they're aiming for um so people are are free diving they're holding their breath and um diving following this line down to to the depth that they're aiming for either and they do it in no fins um, there's a, something called free immersion where you pull yourself down the line or you can kick down uh, so a few different disciplines there. Um, yeah, so so they go down um, and, and come back up, and you know if they're pushing themselves hard enough, you'll. Well, while it's obviously not recommended, people will sort of like black out at the end of their dives, um, and so that's what we were there for to assist with that, and and that happened a few times, so it was, it was a pretty interesting experience. Yeah, because they they run a, like not only do you have to surface again from your dive but there's a couple of basic like uh like commands and responses you have to give to the official don't you like it's not that's correct yeah there's like like within that first sort of five to ten seconds that you come out they ask you some basic questions or something and you've got to like be cognitive and actually be able to respond yeah, you have to sort of look them in the eye and say, I'm okay. Um, I think from memory, you had to like remove anything that's on your face, whether it be goggles or a, a nose clip or anything yep. like that. Uh, it's been a little while. But basically showing that you're cognizant, you're not, you know, just barely there. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I just recently actually watched a video of a guy who made the dive. And it's that classic, like you see it all the time in like boxing where somebody does like a little like taunting move and then gets knocked the fuck out and this guy was coming back up the wire and um he like gave a little wave to the camera or thumbs up and the commentators are like oh shit he's confident you know and then he came to the top and he made it up i think he surfaced himself and then blacked out and didn't didn't make the you know, like he wasn't able to prove that he was good to go, and then so he didn't get it, and he probably would have if he wasn't being a cocky guy. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, classic. Yeah, but yeah, no, yeah, that does happen quite a bit that people take their first breath on the surface and then, um, yeah, just seem to sort of somewhat lose consciousness at that point. I think, yeah. if you, again, it's been a while, but I think there was some physiological reason for that. Like, as you, if you exhale and inhale too fast or something like that you drop your 
oxygen just that little bit further as you exhale? Or yeah, those lines? I think it's something to do with carbon dioxide more than the oxygen. So it's um, it's about getting rid of obviously the carbon dioxide is slowly like poisoning you. I guess you call it like you're going hypoxic. Um, yep. from the lack of oxygen to your brain. And because it's that carbon dioxide there, I think there's something more to it about the fact that you're not expelling the CO2 in time. And uh, like I, I was always taught to, as you're ascending, to be letting out your breath so that when you do breach the surface, you just then breathe in as opposed to breaching the surface, having to, especially if you've got a snorkel on or something, you're having to clear your snorkel and and then take a breath like I, I was taught to. When you breach, your snorkel's already out of your mouth, so when you come out, you're just good to breathe. I think there's something there with, if you haven't fully expelled all that carbon dioxide and you breathe in again, there's still there's still potential for a lot of carbon dioxide to be sitting where it shouldn't. Yeah, that makes um, a lot of sense. I can't remember yeah. exactly what it is, but, but it's something like that. Eh? Yeah, 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 it's something like that, but uh, I'll leave that. I'm not a doctor. I just play one <laughs> on TV. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so you spent a bit of time there. Fish, did, so did you get a heap of um, spear fishing in, in, like, while you were in that, in the uh were you no. still in Honduras no, we or was it a different country yeah. the island you're on? No, we're in Honduras. And yeah. um no, you couldn't spearfish there. I think you could sort of get around it if you're a local, but um or you could go out and spear lionfish, but we never really did that. What's um, a lionfish? lionfish. Oh, they're like an invasive little species of fish. They're quite colourful, little tropical looking yep. fish. They're um, good for eating or like I think they are okay. Yeah, I think if I understand right, you I don't ever think we ate them, but um they you are can. good eating. You've just gotta be incredibly careful of these spines, which are really poisonous. Ah, uh, okay. Um, and same when you're sparing, like you need like good gloves and bits and pieces uh, I think from memory to yep. get them yep. off. So Yeah. Um that was the only thing you're allowed to spare there, unfortunately. Um well the locals sort of get around the rules. But yeah, we just ended up focusing on the um on the diving, I suppose if I, yeah, if I had my time again, I'd probably get a bit more organized and go somewhere where you could do a bit more sparing as well. But yeah, I suppose also <laughs> the, the nature of those places where it's, you know, really nice and, and calm and that is people can go fishing every day. And so they get depleted pretty quickly. Like, you know, you weren't seeing amazing fish life at all by New Zealand standards. And Just because world, it's, you know, it's so easy to go out and rape and pillage kind of thing. Well, that's my take on it anyway. Yeah. Like it certainly makes it easier. Um, yeah. People can just, you know, paddle a bathtub out there if they wanted to and go and catch stuff. Um, yeah, I think that's what protects us really nicely down in New Zealand is, you know, while we all get a bit annoyed about the weather, it does mean that, like, it's... You, you are limited on the over. days you can actually get out there, isn't it? That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, especially like on the West Coast. And I suppose that also adds, that's why like if you get, like if you have a mint weather day, there's, especially like in the 
in the summer when guys are like heading out wide for like the marlin season and all that sort of carry on like the Hokianga Harbour when the weather's mint is absolutely pumping with boats because it's not often you can get out there that's it yeah um and I suppose that adds to it doesn't it like yeah you know you just have to make the most of those opportunities yeah exactly exactly so then when did you get back to New Zealand like or did you do some more sparing elsewhere over there or was it just the free diving in Honduras yeah, we sort of wrapped that trip up and then um, and then came back to New Zealand. Actually, Victoria like managed to during the competition was like jumping from a boat onto this onto the diving platform and like kicked a kicked a stainless steel um, oh if you can imagine like a handle of a boat or something like that and just yes. like broke her foot and split it open and um, so she sort of had to fly home because she couldn't the, like the treatment was quite poor and it was getting infected and stuff. Um, so I sort of, yeah, came home as well a couple of weeks after that. Uh, everything had wrapped up by then, so it was, well, it wasn't great. It was all good. Like, the timing was yeah. fine. Um, but, yeah, ended up sort of coming back to New Zealand for the summer. Um, I think we had sort of semi-planned to, to be back anyway, so it was it was all good. Um, so, yeah, lined up, like, a job to do in Northland for the summer. So, like, oh, we'll come back and, you know, go up there, do some sparing and, yeah. And that's just like the, the place if you're into any sort of fishing, like Northland's the place that's to be. The place isn't to it? be. Yeah, oh, I'd have to agree, man. Yeah, it's um, I, it was interesting. I did a trip through Europe for a few months a couple of years back, and um, you know, you'd go to all these nice beaches and stuff, and everyone would be like, "Oh, this is the most beautiful beach in the world," or whatever. And you get there and you go, yeah, it's nice, but like I've got one of these at home, you know, like yeah, I've got no four of these at home. <laughs> like it's, yeah. yeah, like I know we're so spoiled, man. Oh, we're well, so I've had that spoiled. same experience. Like yeah. I remember um, that same island, Utila. Like everyone's like, oh, we're gonna go over to the other side of the island. There's this beautiful beach over there. Like, oh yeah, cool. You know, that'll be a good good trip. So we toll on over there and. Like there's like plastic stuck in like the rocks everywhere oh. and it's like this little stretch of sand you're just like ah oh, this is cool but it's also sad and like gross yeah yeah, yeah. like so no nah, glad to be tucked down in the south pacific i think to be honest we sort of we're just lucky that the currents don't drop a whole lot of plastic off down here to be honest um yeah i i think there's there's plenty enough rubbish out there that that we could get some it's just a, it just doesn't blow this way yeah like i don't think we're doing any sort of fantastic job of minimizing it i just no i mean we're probably a lot better than lucky. to be fair we're definitely a lot better than most countries well maybe not most but a lot better than a lot of countries yeah, it's, but the fact that it's, it's not on those third world countries yeah oh yeah yeah but um those guys don't care they're just trying to stay alive and get a feed and if it comes to yeah, a polystyrene exactly. box, well, so be it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So diving into Northland, like, tell us about, you know, snooping big snaps, monster kingies. I see you got into a mahi-mahi a few years back. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, shot a couple of those, like, over time. It's just a matter of finding, like, a, a log sitting out in blue water at the right time of year 
and I don't know, I found them to be quite consistent. Um, if you can find that sort of floating structure, there's normally mahis on it. You've just got so, to find um, some sort of a structure, a log or a container or something, eh? Yeah, it's always been like a byproduct of being out there fishing for marlin uh, or, you know, just general game fishing. Um, yeah. And you see it, so you you jump in and you're in your shorts, your spear gun, and, and have a look. Yeah, so, yeah, knocked over a couple of those um, over the time, which is pretty cool. Um, pretty cool fish to get in New Zealand and beautiful eating. Um, yeah, yeah, how, how are of, they, like, to to sort of to hunt them or to spear them or however you want to put it? Like, are they, those obviously, so, like, people always talk about, like, fads, fish yeah. aggregation devices being just, like, a thing floating in the water that fish just hang out around because it exists, which is a weird thing, but I suppose it's the same reason why we find kingies around pinnacles and stuff like further inland it's just it's a point of reference isn't it that's right yeah it's just something in the middle of nothing and it yeah. they tend to create their own little ecosystem um so you'll have you know a bit of i don't know some sort of seaweed hanging off and then some little fish and some slightly bigger fish and yeah yeah the um the mahis on the on the outskirts i don't know i suppose if you waited long enough marlin probably come and visit them too yeah um tuna and and such like but so, yeah they the the mahi mahi kind of behave a little bit like kingies in that they'll they'll travel together in a school and yeah come out and sort of do a bit of a pass of you so you're like, like quite inquisitive yeah yeah as long as you don't like sort of make yourself look like too much of a predator and swim straight at them they tend to yeah. you know come in close enough for you to have a crack so yeah and do you, like, are you just getting, you, you're getting, like, the boat's just dropping you, like, 50 metres off of that thing and you're swimming into it or drifting into it? Or can you, can you, can you go right in with the boat? Like, are they spooked off easy with the boat or are you just kind of driving up and jumping well, in? Yeah, you're sort of uh, trying to position yourself off them, but sometimes they will come right into the boat and check it out. Yeah, um, but okay. generally it's just putting the boat in such a place that the um that you're sort of able to swim over to that um that fad whatever it is and um and have a bit of a look around actually that yeah. does remind me of a yarn like we found some of them off the coromandel one day on a day's game fishing and like me and my mate cam i think i think from memory if i've got this right me and cam jumped in we we're trying to shoot them and we might have we might have shot a couple and we looked back at the boat and our mate Nick was like meant to be boatman and he's just decided to pile in as well. Like it was his oh. boat, I suppose. But <laughs> I guess going with the theory, like we're all sort of drifting at the same speed and it's all fine. It's very exciting. So he's just jumped out of the side too to have a crack. Yeah. All's well that ends well, you know, we got back on. So. Yeah. That's one of those um, situations that <laughs> you look back on it and you go, yeah, that's all good. But. Just man, that could turn the shit real easy, eh? It really could, eh? Yeah, yeah. Now, if it went wrong, it would go real wrong. Um, yeah. Oh, well. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, good times. Good times. Yeah. Um, what? But yeah, no. I know, you go. Oh, I was going to say, what's your um, sort of your, your snapper mooching techniques? Like, what are your... How do you shoot? I said, because I, I mean, you've shot a fair few good sized snaps, you know? Um, 
Yeah, yeah. Bigger, bigger snapper than I've ever shot, and and a lot more of them. Um, how, you know, how do you? What's your technique on that? Is there? Have you got a bit of a trick on how you go about snaps? Well, oh yes and no, I suppose. Um, there's sort of two main techniques you can use. You can either burly for them or or do what's called snooping. Um, so burlyings when you you set a ground bait. So usually for me, what that looks like is finding um, a piece of, of structure with a bit of a reference point so that you know where it is. Um, and normally it'll be like on the coast itself um, yep. and somewhere with a good bit of current and you'll you'll be finding like bait fish. You might know there's already snapper. You might have already seen snapper in the area or or it just seems like there'd be one hanging around. And then, yeah, so normally I'd be cracking open a few, a few kinners, a few sea urchins, um, and, and placing them down in a, in a, a spot where I've got a good approach. So where I can go back to check it without the, the snapper uh, being alerted to my presence. Yeah. And, um, often add some fish to that if I can, like some butterfish or carway or honestly just about anything works, but drummers are really good. Um, or a, a kingy frame if you've got one, something like that. Um, that'll usually keep them hanging around for a while, although it can attract sharks in the summer. So sometimes during summer we avoid that a bit in, in certain okay. areas. Yeah, um, they love the the fish component of the burley. Yeah, yeah. So you 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 set those out in a in a place and then let it sort of let it cook, so to speak. And sometimes if it's really fishy, you can just swim away for five minutes, come back, and there'll be fish on it. And sometimes it takes you can come back like several hours later and find a find a fish there, you know, and good fish um, still sort of chewing on the remnants of the burley. It just depends. Like I see, yeah, I suppose that depending on the area and and there's a shitload of different um, factors there, isn't there? Yeah, there are. Eh? That can be a bit of luck of the draw too, like anything. Mm. Um, yeah, like I've videoed. Like for a little while there, um, I was like diving heaps when we first moved up, and I would take my GoPro and put a, like mounted it on a little dive weight, and I was putting it down beside Billy's, and like I should do that again because it's really cool, um, the footage you get. But and like I, I videoed some like way nicer snapper than I've ever shot, I reckon. Um, oh, doing okay. that, yeah, seen some crackers. But yeah, one thing you see is like sometimes you'll just see this stonker fish come in and just like chew on the the burley for like literally a minute and then leave and you never see it again whereas you're sort of you know going back there every 15 20 minutes and sort of hoping for the best that you're there at the right time yeah so and, and you're just you missing know, the timing eh? yeah yeah that's it and sometimes <clears> like so many snapper will turn up that they just like deplete the burley in like 10 minutes and then you come back, you think there was nothing there, and they've just all come eating it and moved on. Um, so yeah, kind of interesting insights actually from from videoing from videoing it. Yeah, that'd yeah, be cool. It's kind of like the underwater version of setting up trail cams on wallows for deer and stuff like that, eh? Like you, there's yeah, same idea, so right? so much activity that because you're not there the whole time, you just miss out on. Yeah, and, no, it's um, yeah, yeah it's, it's cool. But I, I set one up one time, just watched a bronzy come in and like rip the whole fish burly and, <laughs> and take it away. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, no. Have you got any um? If, yeah, have you got any good shark stories? Um, being a Spiro, like sharks are just part of it, aren't they? Like how how yeah, often well, I don't know. <laughs> like I, I don't know. I suppose you see you see bronzies all the time, and like they're becoming more and more prolific. Yeah, and um, <clears throat> it's up north here. Like they're super prolific in the Coromandel and in Auckland, anywhere that's getting like regular fishing and diving. Um, especially, you know, if it's a spot with kingfish. And I think they just learn, like they learn that there's going to be, I could run around trying to catch my fish or soon enough, one of these guys is going to tear the one for me and I'll just come and eat that. Um, so here, yeah, I don't, I feel like I don't run into them too much because I don't spend a lot of time targeting kingfish in those sort of spots because I, I don't know. I just don't don't really want to get into those scenarios. Yeah. Um. So I, I somewhat avoid it. And like feeding uh, sharks, fish is it's no fun and it's it's not good for the fishery. And yeah, it could go on and on. But just try and avoid that scenario. Yeah. Uh, but not, not to say that it hasn't happened. <laughs> yeah. 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 We actually had we had a day out at the calves um a few years ago where I shot a kingy out the back of the Cavalli's on this like quite a well-known reef there and um, had a Marco come in. Well, I'm pretty sure it was a Marco just by the the way that the bite looked on the fish. Yeah. Because yeah, it had its tail, which is like the classic Marco thing to do. Oh, okay. um, sort of, but that killed the fish uh, basically or it completely disabled it. Um, and it was, it was a decent kingy, but yeah, I got it back to the boat and we quickly jumped on. And moved moved off and went to another reef and then I just sort of I was a bit I had a kingfish and I was a bit over it so I um just went for a bit of a snoop and and close to the shore and then the other two boys that were with me went for a um a dive out on another reef and they bloody ran into another marco they just shot a kingy and then this marco came came past them and oh Kevin would be able to tell the story better because uh, it impacted him a lot more than me I wasn't actually there but. The Marco kind of got, I think, somewhat tangled in his float line and then got worked up and came in and bit him. So it like bit him on the leg and then like on his hand um, and, and the, the process of that. So he yeah, legitimately got attacked, like he survived. Um, but yeah, like the boys came screaming back over to me on the boat and I like, jump in, you know, gives me a bit of a shark. Like, oh shit, that's not good. Um, mm. Jump in and yeah, he was um, spitting out a bit of blood. So um but we got him in an ambulance and yeah it turned out yeah just a flesh wound so he was fine i remember like seeing i think i seen you post about it on instagram or something and then seeing like a news out i remember talking to you about it after yeah it was pretty gnarly yeah 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 like yeah it was like it was scary at the time because yeah the bite was through a wetsuit so you've got no real concept of like how bad it is and you're like well you're just not going to take this wetsuit off because it's holding it all together in theory you know if it was worse yeah um, but i think we sort of i guess we maybe ascertained fairly quickly that it wasn't like life-threatening so yeah but yeah it was still a very scary scenario with um, water too like the way blood looks like when you're bleeding in the water it it can look a lot worse than it is as well just 
Yeah, true, true. By yeah. there being more like, fluid around, yeah. It just covers more area, doesn't it? Yeah. Do you carry, like, a decent med kit on your boat or anything? I could definitely be more organised with that, but I, I, I do have, like, a first aid kit. Like, I know, like, I listen to podcasts from Aussie and that, and the guys are like, oh, we've got our tourniquet and um, all of that sort of stuff all set up. And I, yeah, sort of, you hear that, and you're like, I should probably do that, and then don't. Um, yeah, bro, you, I mean, sh- I, you should. You really should. Yeah. It, like, yeah, I check out, um, shout out to Med NZ. Check them out on Instagram for, like, first aid shit. Oh, yeah? Um, massive on the whole stop the bleed thing and shit. Um, But, yeah, because especially when you're – people probably don't think about that that often. Like, when you're out on a boat, you're often fucking miles from, like, any sort of help, aren't you? Yeah, often you're an hour's boat ride away from yeah. a fairly remote launching location. No, that's like, annoying, how long so. did it take you guys to get from shark bite to beach and then beach to hospital? Oh, it's a fortunate spot. Like we're at the at the Cavallis, so it's maybe a ten minute run back into Matari Bay. And oh, it's that then, quick. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, it's pretty close. So, but then so even Matari Bay is not particularly close to like if you you know if it's a bit more serious situation Materi Bay is not like the closest to anywhere else no that's true eh? yeah it's not close uh, to the hospital yeah yeah like what's your closest hospital Kai Tire um, yeah it might be Kai Tire from there right? or Kawakawa um, but yeah they're both but Kawakawa doesn't have a hospital does it oh well I've never actually been but I think it does no. call itself a hospital <laughs> Yeah, maybe it's a big medical yeah. centre. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, um, but so. I mean, it's 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 a higher level of care, and it's it's better than nothing. So. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Um, I right. You still hear me? Uh, yeah. Sorry, oh, mate. Yeah, what yeah, happened cool. there? It all just cut out. Oh, sorry. Phone call came through. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, what were we saying? Yeah, it's a high level of care required. Yeah, but we're just talking about sharks and spear. Like it's as a as a spearfisher, like it's just part of the game, isn't it? Like you you're running around with um, bleeding fit. Like especially if you're running fish on string lines, uh, like on float lines, you're just swimming around with bait, looking for um with. You know, you're just yeah, asking we for We used it. to do that back in the day. Like, it's, I would say, well, certainly with the people that I go spearfishing with, but I think most people these days, like, float boats have really become the norm. Yeah. And I think, like, you know, like, Weddy, um, they've got a whole range of float boats now, so they're really accessible, whereas maybe 10 years ago you couldn't. No, they. Oh, no, maybe it, you could, but they've got no, a lot you, more accessible now. So yeah. you couldn't. That's. I. So my year 13, um, like, tech project, I designed a float boat. Um, oh, right. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you remember that, but, um, yeah, so, yeah, designed, it, it was called the Brucey bin, 
uh, Brucey spelled B R U E C A. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, man, like looking back at it, what a fucking idiot! Like I should have kept pushing for that because then not long after that they became really a big thing. But at that point, you couldn't get them anywhere, and I had seen on a what was this? There was a shop on the North Shore that was a dive shop, like the Blue. It's like a free dive shop. It's Wetty ended up like taking over. Yeah, wild, this was wild before Blue. Wild Blue. That was it. So there was a guy, Matt Lind, who worked at Wild Blue, and they'd put out like a DVD, and in the DV, in the spearfishing DVD, he had one of these float boats that he'd made yeah. out of ply, and that's the first time I saw it, and I was like, "Fuck, that is a genius idea." Because I used to always get nibbled on by stingrays or, like, not myself getting nibbled on, but the fish on my float line getting nibbled by stingrays or sharks. Like, yeah, you know. Um, and we were like, fuck, what if you had? And I saw that, and I was like, this is amazing. So I ended up, um, you know, leveraging the resources of the school and um, yep, nice. spent my year designing um <laughs> this Brucey bin and the whole thing like it was it was rotational plastic molding and then I even had backpack straps on it that like clipped I had a cousin at the time who was like working for MacPack or something and so they'd have like reject backpack straps that he could get me that I like jimmied up that clipped on so if you were like a shore diver you could throw all your gear in the float boat put it on your back and walk from the car park to the shore and then kit up and go for your dive. Um, yeah, I really should have, you know, further developed that. It's a real shame, man. Yeah, you're, it could have made the time. Yeah, I was, a, yeah. I was just a, a, a child genius ahead of my time. <laughs> <laughs> you're already retired by now. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, but such is life, isn't it? Um, I've still got yeah. the the original prototype of that sitting in the shed at Mum and Dad's. I, I had it out the other a while ago. It's got, it's. I mean, it was still quite crude, but um, I think I've actually even yeah. got the the like steel mold that it um it used to do it. <laughs> so like we 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 could go back into development. <laughs> Possibly, yeah, yeah. Got yeah. more hurdles now. Mm. Sort of plastic. So plastic ones. Did a pretty good job. Yeah, you've got one of those. I do. Yeah, yeah. And like I, you know, I rate it, and like occasionally I'll, I'll spare without one, but no, no, generally take it with me. Like it's it's just yeah. good getting your fish out of the water, and that's no yeah. longer a risk, and you can carry a bit of water with you and that sort of thing. So that's handy too. Do um, you run a float with it, or is do you just use that as the float? Like when I was designing yeah. mine, the idea was that it would act as your float for everything unless you were, you know, if you're specifically going out there to target kingies and kingies only, then the idea being you'd actually have a float. But for everything else, you just... No, that, that's accurate, eh? Like, I'll, leave, like, I'll shoot smaller kingies with it. I, yeah. I probably wouldn't go out and, you know, try and target really big kings with it. Um, but... Yeah, um, generally it's just functioning as the float. It's being towed around behind you. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Way less, uh, drag, in the, way less drag in the water too. Like if you, by the time you string up a couple of snapper or kawa or something, like you're actually, 
it's it begins to be quite hard work to drag that through the water and when you can just throw it in your float boat that's mean eh oh 100 percent. that's it is actually way better yeah mm. definitely pretty well recommended kit um yeah no, so yeah that sort of changed the game a bit eh? um having access to those so there's no real excuse to drag and fish around with you in the, yeah in the water anymore. yeah so a lot less sort of shark um well there's you know there's, in theory there'd be a lot less shark encounters because you got a lot less sort of burly dragging around with you yeah like at the i mean at the cavallis over summer um there's still tons of the things eh? like you're just you see bronzies sitting there like pretending to be a snapper when you're snooping just about it's mad um so so you're still seeing them but maybe not encountering them in the same way like they're not coming up to try and take fish off you and that's a totally different ball game like you can just yeah they just sort of swim up have a look carry on Um, they're not not seeing you as a source of food or anything are they Generally not. Like you still got that point where you've actually shot something that you've got to get it back and on yeah, your float boat yeah. or on your boat, but you're, you're lessening that. Like you, you know, you see those videos each summer, and like some person has sort of probably recently got into spearing, shot their first king, and then some got a GoPro on, and some shark comes and like takes it off them. Mm. Everyone's like, oh, that's you know, it's so exciting. It's like, well. Definitely exciting. Definitely gets your adrenaline pumping. <laughs> but it's also really, it's really dumb, eh? Like it's, yeah. Life, life wouldn't be that much fun if you'd lost one of your hands. <laughs> That's how I sort of look at it. <laughs> it would make things a lot more difficult. Yeah. Um, yeah. And man, some of those videos, like those guys are just so close to that actually happening. Or, you know, or you cut a, an artery. Like that's like a very real risk if you're wanting to fight a shark for a kingfish. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, other people turn around and say, well, you should defend your fish if you've shot it because um, you don't want the shark to get a free feed. And that's true too. Um, but yeah, it's a fine balance. So I think it's, it's a very fine because, yeah, you should try to keep the shark away from having your fish. But I mean, like, bronzies in the big scheme of things are probably, you'd say that they're a bit more of a tamer of a shark um, compared to a lot of others. Like, if you've got a nasty little marker or something coming in you, those things just look scary, like, as they exist. Fuck that. I ain't having a bar of fighting off a fish. I don't know. I haven't had to, but they just, they scare the shit out of me. Yeah, no, I, um, I sort of, I don't know, I suppose I've fought them off, so to speak, sometimes. Um, but, you know, we poke them and that sort of thing. It's not really fighting mm. them, but just trying to dissuade them. Um, Throw a bit of mayo but on yeah, your story, it's, mate. It's not worth it, man. <laughs> You're a shark fighter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a, I'm the next episode of Shark Fighter. Yeah, no, uh, nah, not really, man. Like, I definitely go for more to try and just avoid that scenario altogether. Yep. It's a bit, it's a bit soft, but I reckon that's yeah the way to go. What about um? What's a for anyone who's like wanting to get into spear fishing? and in, into free diving like how what sort of advice would you give to somebody who's keen to give it a try even um yeah well i suppose like there's a there's a bit of a club scene certainly in the free diving side of things that, and that's developed more and more like especially i know around auckland's like there's a couple of 
you know, clubs. Um, there's the Auckland Pre-Diving Club, which I spent a little bit of time at. Um, and that was cool. Like, the, I, I didn't spend a long time there because I, I moved on from Auckland not long after sort of joining. But they do pool training sessions and you meet other people there. So there's that. But I know there's another couple of clubs in Auckland that exist and probably other ones around the country and, you know, more of the urban areas that will take people through like basic freediving training and then practice. And usually like there's people in that group who are into spearfishing. So you'll, you know, um, be able to go out and do some spearing or I guess the other common thing is you're just going out fishing and you want to give it a crack. Um, and yeah, I suppose the advice would be like get some good advice and some, some decent gear. Like a, a wetty is probably the main thing, like getting a nice comfortable warm wetsuit. Mm. A lot. If you're um, comfortable in the water, you'll you'll stick it out for a whole day and you'll stay in there. Like if you're if you start getting right, if you've yeah. got a shit wet suit, you start getting cold. Like I had a mask, eh? Like you need to have a good fitting mask. Yeah, it doesn't leak. Yes. If you've got a leaking mask, yeah. horrendous. Like <clears throat> not having a good time. Yeah, and knowing so, like, masks yeah. a big one. Like different different brands and different models of masks will not fit some people's faces as well as they will others. So like try on a shitload of masks and figure it, figure out what one fits you. Cause that's a massive one. Cause if you can't see, you ain't like, it's no good. Yeah, that's dead right. I suppose the other thing would come back to what we were talking about, which was, you know, sharks is that, you know, they're actually probably not really going to even be, you're not even going to see them when you start because they're in a pretty specific set of areas, like quite currenty high fish areas. And usually you can just start off, you know, kicking around some bays and, and getting getting yourself established, um, learning to shoot your spear gun, doing all that. And like you won't even see them until you start, you know, you get competent and, you know, head out to some like reef type structure and that sort of thing. Um, so... I don't know. Don't worry about them too much. Yeah. Um, yeah, I then, agree with you know, that. Also, go, go out there with a buddy too and, and, you know, be smart about it. Yeah, and yeah. that's that's another thing there, isn't it? Like, buddy diving. Like, don't don't go out there and dive by yourself, uh, especially if you're getting into it. Like, shallow water blackout is a real um like threat is a real possibility um yeah i'd sort of although i suppose i disagree a little bit there like in that yes jello blackouts like a real possibility but that it's not going to happen when you first get started yeah that's what i was just thinking there you're not you're you're not pushing it enough you you don't like as a you're not when you first start out, you're actually not capable of like mentally pushing yourself anywhere near your full breath hold capability, which means you're surfacing real early and shallow water blackout is like, unless something goes wrong during your dive, it's actually way less likely. Like I think the biggest risk you'll get for shallow water blackout is once you've been doing it for a little while and you start to get like, reasonably competent you can dive down to say look i'm not saying every this is exhaustive list but if you're diving down to say 15 20 meters and then you're like fairly calm and it's nice and warm it's through the middle of summer and you can lie on the bottom and there's all these fish around and you just find yourself being quite calm 
but you're quite deep. Yeah. And then you're lying there and then you're sort of pushing a little bit and now you need a breath. And then you start kicking up from that depth. That's when you'll, um, I can't remember exactly how it works, but as you're coming up through the, the pressure change that occurs between say 20 and zero meters, that's when you're going to risk shallow water blackout. But yeah. when you're first starting, Again, it's like something to be aware of, but it's not really a concern. You're probably no, yeah, that's, getting yourself yeah. tangled in the rocks by yourself or something. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. It's probably more of a um, further thing. Have you, have you ever gotten close to or had any sort of a shallow water blackout yourself? Um, I've, I've gotten sort of, yeah, like a bit closer than I'd like to, but never really that bad, I don't think. I've, I've sort of probably just been on the conservative side of things. But, um, yep. yeah, I've had a, I've come up and sort of been a little bit lightheaded now and then. Um, Have you had but, any, yeah. like, muscles shut down, like legs stop working or anything like that? Never had that, like, full-on cramping of the legs. I have managed to do a couple of um, lung squeezes, which is a bit frustrating. Um, which is just when you like move a little bit too rapidly at depth and you're probably like a little bit tense, maybe it, it usually happens when you're not as relaxed as you should be and you're trying to push yourself. Um, and that like tears a little bit of tissue in your lungs and it takes ages for it to repair. Oh, so okay. You, uh, I've not heard of that you before. Yeah, well, basically, you're just like, your lungs get quite compressed as you go at depth. And, and by yeah. depth, I mean, like, when I've done it in New Zealand, it's only been at, like, 20 metres, which is, is kind of deep spearfishing. Well, for me, like, I, I don't do a lot of spearfishing any deeper than that. But, um, yeah, so just, like, even at those depths, if you're not well relaxed and you move too rapidly, you can you can tear your lung tissue or your throat tissue because it's all compressed because of the depth yeah okay um, yeah <clears throat> well that's interesting so yeah that's sort of the one that's bugged me a bit i might just be sort of like a little bit predisposed to it i'm not sure um, yeah but it's happened a couple of times yeah um but yeah nah um sorry lost what was the question there like Oh, had you had black like, like any blackout yourself or anything? Oh, uh, yeah. No, nah, not really. Yeah, but nah, like, nah. Yeah. yeah. But again, it's like just sort of trying to take it slow and, and know your limits, I guess, is the, the key there. Like anything. Yeah, exactly. In it. Yeah. Don't, um, don't jump in too hard and charge. Like, plus, you're, like, you're hanging on the ocean, which is just a scary motherfucker of a place. Like, it's. Yeah, oh, so like even I, if you're diving with a, I was going to say like even if you're diving with a buddy, like you sort of just have to take the approach that you need to be responsible for yourself and like not put yourself in that sort of blackout scenario or yeah, yeah, anything like that. Because yeah. unless the guy's like right on top of you watching your every move, which is like it's what we do when we're diving deep weed lines or something like that, deep pins. But a lot of the time, like you know, I don't know any guides who go out snapper spearfishing and like properly buddy dive. It just doesn't happen. Yeah, it doesn't, eh? Like, there's two guys yeah. in the water, but you're not like, you're not. You're going to turn up the boat to... two hours later and be like, yeah. oh, where's my mate? Yeah. yeah, that's about as close as, yeah. Someone knows yeah. that you're dead. That's about as Whereas if you are dying, as that is. Like, you know, maybe you're on like a, well, for me, 15, 20 pushing it, but I suppose. 
if you're diving a, a like a 20, 25, 30 meter weed line, which a lot of like a lot of really good spearfishers would be, in those sort of situations, you're a bit more like, okay, just watch me and whatnot. But when you're just smashing around like with a rock, the waves are smashing up against the rocks and you're snooping for snapper, you're not watching your buddy. Like you're not, you're not following the rules. <laughs> No, if they, your buddy's anywhere near you, you, you're kind yeah, of pissed yeah, off because yeah. he's snooping <laughs> his. Yeah, yeah, because he, yeah, he's yeah. disturbing he's your fish. He's your fish, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the reality, man, yeah. Um, mm. But, yeah, like you say, you just manage that risk, and when you know you're going into, like, a slightly more um, dodgy scenario, like um, diving a deeper weed line, you, you buddy up, and, yeah, you take it carefully. Yeah. What's your, um, like, static breath hold? Um like, you know, say, even if you're just sitting in a pool, like, what are you? Um, like, are you... I don't know what it would be at the moment, but I, I guess, like, when we were doing all that diving overseas, it's probably the last time I've given it a good nudge. And I I think, like, just over five minutes. Um, nice. Is about where I sort of topped out. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, I guess respectable. Like, it's not setting any records, but. Um, it's, yeah. I mean, it's a shitload more than I can do. And. It's a lot more than most. What what sort of depths um, were you were you getting then? Um, most of the time, like, yeah, I suppose the deepest I went was was sixty meters. Um, but like all that um, work and the sort of safety stuff, you were you were having to regularly dive to thirty meters. Yeah. Um, like you know, quite a few times a day. Um. Yeah, but I mean, the mo- the deepest I would ever go spear fishing um, would be like early thirties, probably. Yeah, and that would be hard work for me. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, if you can dive to sixty, you're which like, bro, that's a that's fucking mad. That's awesome. Sixty meters is like. Yeah, I suppose that's... like just kind of that's in the that's in the Caribbean and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and you're relaxed, you know, like yeah, uh, yeah. I wouldn't wouldn't have a show of replicating that in New Zealand without quite, quite a bit of practice training. Yeah, but yeah, no, it's cool. Uh, it's it's um, cool, but it, um, yeah, bro, that's me. What I was gonna say is that it's um, you dive like there's a, there's a massive difference in the depth you'll dive when you're spearfishing and when you're literally diving for depth. Like when you dive for depth, you go down there, you hit your mark, you turn around and you come back. There's no mucking around. Like, whereas if you're spearfishing, you might spend, you know, you might be aiming to spend 10, 20, 30 seconds, whatever it is, sitting on the bottom a minute, even sitting on the bottom, maybe on a weed line edge stirring up a bit of sand or something like there's you're not if you can dive 60 meters like yeah you're you're 20 or 30 meters for your um like your hunting depth isn't it i guess you'd say yeah yeah um it definitely shows you that you've got like a lot of you know reserve capacity there that you're not using um and of course it's totally different ball game sparing like you've just been swimming around for a while and you're yep. exerting energy your heart rate dragging up, a gun with all you. that sort of stuff yeah 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 all makes yeah. a difference but yeah your 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 aims are totally different like you're saying you're trying to yeah spend that time on the bottom and trying to be quiet and do all of those things yeah yeah okay 
And uh, I see you've been chasing a few seeker lately, um, but a but a hunting on the dry land. Um, yeah, mate. Yeah, that's yeah. Nice, nice little um, seeker hind the other day. Was that? Was it a little spiker? In... Oh, I think it was like more in your yelling category, like yep. like the milk off type thing. Um, oh, it was it was yeah. that young? No, no, no. It wasn't quite that bad, but it looked a yeah. lot bigger from where I was standing. But yeah, ground shrinkage. Ground shrinkage. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it yeah. was cold, man, and it was the only thing i'd seen um yeah and to be fair like there's a lot of them out there i, I get the impression that any deer you're taking out of those areas is it's a good deer to take um yeah i suppose but yeah no like i guess lucky enough to have a couple of like good mates who are right into their seeker hunting and pretty good at it so um after like mucking around a bit and tagging along on hunts over the last few years that was sort of my hunting was like the I did the spear fishing off my own back, but all my hunting was um, tagging along, for lack of a better word. I yep. like finally got organised and got my firearms licence um, this year. Like I'd sort of been around guns my whole life, um, but just never got organised enough to, you know, do the paperwork. What was um, what was the process like? Um, like obviously, I've had mine for years, and a few years ago I had to yeah. do a renewal. But what's the process like at the moment? Like how long did it take? Because I've heard that. It's um quite slow, slow going to get it all happening these days. Yeah, real slow, eh? Um, so I think mine was actually faster than a lot of people's, but it was still at least six months to to get it done. It might have even been yeah. more. Um, I can't remember exactly how long it was before I applied, since when I applied to when I got it. But yeah, I think one of like there was a bottleneck in actually um, doing the. Uh, the safety course day thing that you do um, where you turn up and they talk you through the arms code and like a little bit of um, firearm handling. So I think from memory you had to, you put in an application, you fill in your forms and then you book the book the day to, to go and do your firearms like safety day. Um, what, what does that got, safety day like involve? Because obviously I haven't done mine like I was 16 I guess when I got my license so it's been years but I was actually talking about it um the last episode I did with Phil Duffy we were talking about farms licensing type stuff because he'd come from Ireland and it was a bit different over there like are they yeah yeah are they teaching you uh safe handling of a firearm or and and it, do you, uh, yeah. do you get to be hands on with a gun there and have somebody actually show you like you know where the working end is and how it operates and whatnot like what's how's that day so, look? Yeah, so uh, yeah, um, I actually also went along when I was like sixteen or seventeen and did the did the test and you know passed the test when you just tick the boxes. Like I don't even remember if they really talked you through a lot back then. I think you just about just went there and set a test. But anyway, um, yeah, 2023, it's not a lot different, but you go along and you do this sort of like a lecture with um, where someone talks you through the arms code and safe handling of firearms, the, what is it, the seven basic rules. Um, yep. You chat through all that. Um, then I think this was new. You go up there and you, they have like a bunch of, um, 
what do you call it when you make a rifle unable to shoot decommissioned or something rifles um <coughs> that'll, that'll work decommissioned will work yep. yeah yeah you couldn't shoot anyone with them um so you go out there and you like it's kind of a joke to be honest but you have to pick it up and like point it at a cone and then pretend to fire and yeah and then you're deemed to be safe like without pointing it at anyone um and then they're like yeah no nah, he's, he's good carry on and um Did, well, i didn't wait hold on hold on yeah, so, I'm, not, I'm not joking <laughs> so you're in like a classroom yeah you go up you, like four at a time and you you pick up the rifle and are you yeah. checking to yeah i think you do you go through like they give you a um, there's like a process you roll through thing. yeah 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 they um you have to like show that the the firearms unloaded and then uh or in a safe state depending yep. on the type of um the type of rifle or shotgun um and then they've got these little like trigger guard things which i haven't done a lot of time at a range but like these things that you can put down the chamber to show that like it is indeed open those little like orange or yellow tag things they yeah, sit in the little breach. flag yep. thing yeah yeah that's the one so yeah um and you put those in and you sort of go through this little process of just sort of showing that you can pick up a, a firearm and handle it safely which i mean i suppose it's good Oh, but, no, that's, I think like, that's really good because, yeah. like, I don't know, like, I think that, and, and I've had people tell me that I have really good, um, like, firearms handling skills or whatever you'd want to, um, yeah. say, like, like, and, and when I was, um, I had a few incidents when I was guiding where I had clients who fucked around and had to find out because they were, yeah. Um, just doing stupid shit. How did that guns. go down? Yeah. Um, like I had one guy. He was so useless he couldn't even put his own rifle in his scabbard on his saddle. Which, like, all right. It's it's an open hole. Like you just you drop the thing in there and it goes in. Like it's not fucking hard. Figure it out. <laughs> it's like putting a gun yeah. boot on. Like there's only yeah, right, one right, right. that goes on. <laughs> you know, um, and he ended up handing me his rifle and I naturally like you give me a gun I will open the breach to check yeah, if it's yeah. empty like it's just it's just what I do yeah, so he gives yeah, it to me yeah. and I open the breach and there's a round in there and I was just oh, like what yeah. the f no safety was on nothing and I hadn't seen him like do anything with the action since I saw him pick his rifle up that morning so god knows how long that had been in there it had definitely been in there the day prior kind of thing. So fuck knows how yep. long we've just been walking around almost, you know, you know, moments away from shooting somebody. So yeah, I lost it at home and then it had a couple of other people say like, you know, cause like you'd start a hunt and you'd say like, look, this is what I expect with firearm safety. Like mm. don't fuck around. Um, and a few people comment like bloody good, but that was never taught to me in like an official I learnt that through my dad and my granddad and through my own use and there was when I did my licence nobody taught me those things so we were just like it's cool to see that that's part of the course because it there's some shocking people out there just yeah I mean I suppose like I'm I'm certainly not laughing that there's um it's good that there is some safety there and that they're sort of upgrading it it's just like 
you leave that going, God, I hope no one's, that's the, not the extent of their training on firearms. You're like, it's just like literally three hours in a classroom and then off you go. Yeah, you'd hope you get that a they've rifle. got some sort of mentorship. Um, yeah, which you are. It is just a matter of hope though, isn't it? Because there's no formal. There's no requirement that, that, you, really. that yeah. you get, which is mad because you, like you get a car and there's like, there's a long process of somebody mm. like you have to pass. You don't just pass your test on day one. Like there's further testing involved to ensure that somebody has taught you like how to use this thing. And there's no, there's just a quick, yeah, bro, this is how it works. Sweet as go and buy whatever, go and buy whatever kind of rifle you like and use it however you want. We don't yeah, even care, it, eh? you know, it's, mm. yeah, which I'm not advocating for more um, gun control because there's aspects of what's happened recently that I'm, I don't mm. like, um, how they've taken certain things off the cards and whatnot, but like edu- well, further it's education you know, like, of people is massive. Yeah. It's the same on the water, isn't it? Like, you, you don't want to advocate for having a boating license because it's just more bureaucracy and all that rubbish that you don't yeah. want. But at the same time, you don't want to get run over by some dickhead on a jet ski who's just like, you know, mum and dad mm. bought them this like 500 horsepower thing for Christmas. And, like, and they've got no go. like situational awareness. They're just blasting around like no, no comprehension yeah. of people swimming around boats or divers or yeah. Exactly. So I was like, how's that okay? How's that? Yeah. Um, but yeah. where did you draw the line, I suppose? I know. Yeah. It's a, um, yeah. It is a big one, isn't it? But yeah. But anyway, so back to, so back to the, yeah. 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 Hunting. Um, you have finally, you know, gone Almost, out on your own yeah. with it and, and, <laughs> your own yeah, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. So no, I did that. And then, um, yeah, so this was just sort of my first year of actually having my own kit and being able to go under my own steam. And I still, uh, for the most part, um, yeah, been t- tagging along with, with mates who've been kind enough to sort of let me, you know, come along and, and hunt the same general areas as them. Um, so spent a bit of time chasing some seeker during the raw, um, which is that was great, eh? Like, love it. You know, good change of scenery, having been spent, the, you know, most of my time, you know, doing the spear fishing and, and fishing stuff up here, it's a, it's a great change. Yeah. Um, big big drive yeah, to like, get down to Seeker country, though, isn't it? It is, yeah, so seven, eight hours. Um, yeah. It's a bit of a haul. But, uh, yeah, no, it's worth it. Like, it's good. Um, yeah. And so, you know, being like, oh, I've had a, what I consider to be a pretty, like, reasonable amount of success so far. And managed to put a few deer on the deck, so pretty pretty stoked and it's sort of funny like um uh cam one of the guys is is you know give me quite a bit of his time um in the hunting sort of side of things he's come out diving with me a couple of times and like because he's been doing a lot of hunting and i think in particular seeker hunting um he's like got quite a um I guess an awareness around like the stalking side of it. He's patient and sneaky and like he already understands that sort of way of how it goes. That's it. Yeah. And so like one day, like his very, very novice, like what, no, no, 
not that it took him down, but like, you know, it had very little spearfishing experience or it, he might've had some, but it hadn't done a lot of snapper. And yeah. um, I sort of said to him like, oh, well, like it's just like deer stalking basically, man. Like you just gotta go really quietly. This is yeah. coming to the snooping. Um, just go really quietly and check everywhere. And that's a, about it. Like they'll be kind of sitting into the current. And so, you know, if you understand where the current's going, where they're sitting, they'll all sort of be sitting the same way. And like this guy goes out, it's his first time diving. And he like shoots like three nice fish. And I was like, shit, that's a, that's a bloody good start, man. Like I was <laughs> like, getting one that's like 32 centimeters when I started and being like, yes, yeah, yeah, best ever. Um, <laughs> and yeah, he just like smoked it. So it's quite cool how those things cross over. It's, and I think equally like it crossed over a bit for me to get into deer stalking. So that was quite cool too. Yeah, especially with that snooping for snapper and stalking for seeker like it's both of those situations are very sneaky very jumpy animals very stalky way like it's such a crossover there isn't it there yeah like i guess the fish are a little bit more forgiving in that you spook one and then you can swim another 15 meters and there's another one there like a little bit less forgiving in the bush but no yeah Basically the same skill set, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. That's epic to have a um, like the way that you've crossed over into hunting and he's crossed over into spearfishing. Like that's a massive, um, like a massive part of like what I'm wanting to do with this podcast is like just get more people into doing cool shit outdoors. And when you hear yarns of like a guy being into one outdoors thing and he's getting into another outdoors thing. I'm just like, fuck yeah, that's cool. No, it is, eh? Yeah. I mean, I'm like sitting there being like, oh, now I'm living in Northland and I want to kind of live in Taupo or something or <laughs> South Island. Right, but, you know, the same sort of thing uh, applies. I, I do like living in Northland because I find it pretty easy to go out for a quick spearfish, you know? It can be a little yep. bit more difficult maybe to go out for a quick hunt. I don't know, that's just been my experience, but. Yeah. yeah, plenty of plenty of pigs know. and goats up there for you to chase. <laughs> um, yeah, goats. Not... Goats can be mm. like I got into a few goats last week with the dog, and like I'm in tight bait. Like the dog's bailing goats. You're stalking through, or well, you're not stalking at that point, but you're like creeping through the bush to get up for the shot. Like, and it's just a stinky old goat, but there's that awesome level of excitement like you may as well be roaring in stags you know like it's the same sort of buzz you get off it oh that's cool to hear yeah yeah so i like, sort of hadn't given them a lot of thought um to be honest you know you uh, which is probably somewhat dismissive but and well, I, I suppose even, yeah if you yeah i went out the other day and i shot a turkey with the shotgun and like i you know, you know how the the Americans are like big on shooting turkeys. Like they've got a spring and a fall turkey season, and and there's all the different rules and shit depending on where you are. But it, essentially, it comes down to like you got to be using a shotgun, um, and you're like you're using a shotgun and you're calling the bird into you when it's like in its mating season. It's like it's like roaring in stags, but it's a different kind of a stack but it's the same concept there you know like you're you're working <laughs> yeah, yeah. this this you've got this wound up animal and you're you're bringing them in and i was like oh, i kind of want to give this a nudge so i went out the other day with the side and like found a mob of 
turkeys and like kind of called them a bit and got them moving and had to like put in a like I did, tried one stalk and got spotted and hadn't like disturbed them too much and was able to back away and then like come in from a different angle and I ended up shooting this like massive uh what they call a I think it's a tom yeah a tom is like a a big turkey a big mature male and a jake I think is like a spiker kind of a setup um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's like the same thing that like you're doing. You're using all these like same skills you would. Like I'm sitting there like trying to do turkey calls and shit to get their attention and stuff. It's all the same skills you'd use when you're, you know, snooping for snapper or, or stalking for deer, or roaring them in or goats or whatever. But it's just with a different animal. And like I shot that turkey and I was like, fuck, this is actually quite cool. I want to try this like. I want to really call one in now, you know? <laughs> yeah, man, that's epic. Well, I feel a lot better than sitting at home watching Netflix, eh? Like, ah, exactly. Like, like, yeah. you, can, you can sit on the <laughs> couch and you ain't going to shoot shit, so you got to yeah. go find your fun and stuff. Um, no, that's good, yeah. eh? So have you got any, um, like, dream trips for hunting or, or spearing or anything that you want to do or, or big trips you've got, like, planned coming up don't have any any real big plans coming up um i sort of just yeah got a bit a bit of stuff going on started a new business and that so um getting stuck into that but like definitely want to get overseas i think yellowfin for some reason like have a real draw for me i've never never shot one um so i'd like to get over to somewhere like ascension or panama or one of those sort of big yellowfin fisheries um yeah That'd be really cool. But at the same time, like, yeah, I'd, I'd quite like to shoot a marlin off New Zealand as well. Um, which I've got no real excuse for not doing that too. Like, yeah, yeah, like they're right here. It's just getting organized. Um, yeah, so so those are sort of the, the couple of things that I want to tick off at the moment. And like hunting, I guess like the next thing that's sort of starting to like look kind of exciting to me is um, getting down south, like, you know, spent that that year down south and did a bit of sort of um, tramping in that, but not a lot of success. I want to go back now and like get into some of that, you know, that cool country you see on YouTube and and hunt sort of those the stags out on the open type scenario. Um, yeah, yeah, that it's, would be the next thing that um, yeah, cool it's really cool. It's a cool. Yeah. Um, it's actually really accessible for a North Island. Like you get yourself to Auckland couple hundred bucks you can fly down and either meet somebody or rent a car or something and you can head off and there's a lot of like you can fly into Christchurch or Queenstown or Nelson uh, and there's a lot of like really accessible hunting right there like within a couple hour drive from the airport and you can really get into it and it's actually like a lot of guys from the North Island, you know, they'll do the big heli seeker thing. They'll they'll go in over to Poronui there and they'll fly into a block with heli seeker. But yeah, yeah. by the time you do all that, it still costs you a fortune. Like it, it it can be cheaper to fly to the South Island and go on uh, on a public land, um, walk in sort of a setup as opposed to paying for the chopper and and then I think I think with heli seeker now like you're paying a um, like it's a reasonable like 
I don't know what you call it, like fee to the land, because all that, like a lot of that Helisica blocks is all like privately owned. Yeah, yeah. Um, wilderness. No, you're making a lot of sense there, man. Yeah, yeah. Like it's definitely not cheap to to do those North Island chopper trips. Like, I no. don't know. There's not a lot of competition either, especially now. So I think that those prices are pretty jacked up. Um, yeah. Or, I don't know. Maybe the helicopter operators would argue with that, but um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, it just seems like yeah, going down south. Like I've talked to a couple of um, guys who've you know done it from around here, and they're like, oh, you know the Choppers aren't that expensive, and no. like you say, like you get to Auckland, you take a flight, and you're in one of those sort of three yeah. places. Or, yeah, we so should. It's, um, it's, yeah, we should. It's we should jack up a trip. Jack up a trip sometime, and and get down there, or or I'll put you in touch with some people down there. Um, no, I'd love to, eh? Yeah, I've and, seen as. Yeah, like the, I mean, the best way to do it is find somebody else who's already down there, because then they can pick you up. And you don't have to rent another car, and then you're cheaper again. You know. Because the yeah, issue, that makes sense. And we do it every year. Like you go down for like and the um like a tar block, and you fly into Christchurch, you pick up a rental van, you drive to the west coast, and then you're paying to have this van for a week, and you're only driving it for two days to get there and to get back, but you're paying for it to sit in a car park for for a whole week, you know. So like. Yeah, there is still there is still some cost there, and and then a lot of the cost is in this like unused vehicle and it, that frustrates the fuck out of me like when you think about it but it's just the way it has to roll so yeah, it's, yeah. i guess the difficulty in new zealand is just organizing trips around the weather eh? like i think it's more like you need to get the life set up in such a way that like just max flexibility if you want to go out yeah and these things. yeah yeah that's um, the thing. it's like if you've i mean shit i don't know how you plan on having your business set up but that's that's something that a lot of people who who sort of are like contractors and whatnot, they, there's that extra flexibility there for a lot of guys. Like you hear of a lot of uh, like tradies and whatnot who are able to just drop tools when the weather's good and head out fishing and, and head out hunting and whatnot. So there's that's definitely... The, uh, that's the end game, man. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That flexibility. Yeah. 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 It doesn't happen overnight though, does it? It doesn't. It doesn't. I'm nah. definitely in the sort of grind phase, but that's yeah. all good, you know. Yeah. No, man. We'll we'll wrap it up there, bro. Um, have you got anything else you want to add? Anything um you want people to know about? Um. Yeah. No, not really, man. Just um, just get out there and do it. Man. No, I um. Oh, one thing I would say is like if anyone's out there listening who does a bit of sparing and is wondering about spearfishing comps, like I reckon they're just a really cool thing to get involved with and yep. i think i remember when i first went to go and do one it like seemed really daunting i was like all these people seem to be like really good at what they're doing and they are there's some real good sparrows in new zealand but you go along and you do a comp and you like get to kind of watch them and you just you're just there on the same day kind of like drop them in the same spot and you all go sparing and you just go at your pace and they go at theirs but it's like the best learning experience is going along and like seeing like how these guys take off and where they go and look for fish and like that sort of stuff. I reckon that's a really good way to get better fast. So Just like a like an educational fun day. Yeah, you're basically yeah. just like learning by osmosis, you know, you're just seeing yeah. what other people are doing. Even if you get skunked yourself because you're just getting started, like as long as, you know, the ego doesn't get in the way, you'll, you'll, yeah, you'll learn. Yeah, you get out there and have fun, eh? Yeah. 
Yeah, that's Me- right. And, yeah. and I suppose it's probably a really good way to be meeting people with similar interests to you. Like, you're going to meet some friends doing that sort of shit, aren't you? Oh, it's so true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, no, nah, so. But no, it was good chatting, Bruce. Real good. Yeah, no, nah, easy. Um, thank you, Michael. And so, where can people find you? Um, on on the on the socials. Um. Oh yeah, man. I suppose like I'm not massive on the old social media, but I do an Instagram there at um eat sleep dive repeat and post up the odd fish when I get organised. Um, yeah. Or you know, hit me up if you're ever in Kerikeri and want some. Some advice or go out for a dive or whatever you know more than happy i i, I really enjoy taking people out for a for a Man. mission and especially yeah so i think i'll have to um, definitely take you up on that offer if i uh, get up there this summer i'll have to come up and see you and um yeah everyone Good. listening yeah hit, hit frenchy up on uh instagram at eat sleep dive repeat i'll um We'll put the link thing below and, and, you know, blast it all over the Instagrams so everyone will see you.